Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Brian Jones with Brian Jones Farms in Ed Couch, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas cotton growers are ready to start the last section of Texas cotton harvest in the Southern Plains and the Panhandle. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas A&M AgriLife is offering education on wildfires to Texas High Plains residents next week. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about how you can participate in that event. For sale signs on huge Texas ranches. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report on where these ranches are and why people are purchasing such large tracts of land on Texas Ag Today. Fertilization of winter pasture should be based on soil test recommendations to maximize forage production and prevent applying more fertilizer than is needed. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The last cotton to harvest in our state is in the Southern Plains and the Panhandle, and a few strippers are getting started on the 2023 crop. Up in the northern panhandle, Gerald Key runs Adobe Walls Gin in Spearman. He says harvest is near. Well, we hadn't ginned anything local yet. We're just right on the edge of that. I wish I could report that the yields are good, the quality is excellent. We did have the optimum fall to finish a late crop, a crop that was already late. Most people got the bow opener on and the they're starting to look white out there, and they look decent. And put that bowl opener on, you want it about 65% open, and most of them hit that threshold before they hit the bowl opener. So we're hoping for good quality. I don't know that we're anticipating phenomenal yields, but just hopefully some good solid three-bell yields. And this crop was ready for this week's freezing temperatures. We had that one little bump kind of scare that there may be a few people that didn't have their harvest aids on yet that might should have, but for the most part, This crop's ready to freeze and die and go to the gym. This week's Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report shows 43% of the Texas cotton crop now harvested. The condition of the crop left in the field continues to look bad. Only 10% of it rated good to excellent, 25% rated fair, and 65% of the cotton rated poor to very poor. Texas corn growers will vote on board members and the fate of the corn checkoff. 
In the coming weeks, corn growers across the state will decide the fate of a statewide referendum on checkoff amounts. And they'll decide who will represent their region on the Texas Corn Producers Board. Voting for the TCPB election runs November 1st through the 15th. Voters will elect five board members representing three voting regions, and they'll decide whether to increase checkoff amounts for corn and silage. If approved, the assessment for silage will increase to 14.8 cents a ton. The assessment for corn would be two cents per bushel produced and sold in Texas. The election is taking place by mail. Ballots must be postmarked by November 15th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We mentioned cotton harvest earlier. Other crops winding down harvest here in Texas. Sorghum harvest all done, according to the latest Crop Progress and Condition Report. Corn harvest now stands at 93% complete. Peanut harvest moving forward as well. Peanut farmers now stand at 50% complete on harvest, while winter wheat planting is making good progress. 73% of the winter wheat in Texas now in the ground. Texas A&M AgriLife is offering education on wildfires for Texas High Plains residents next week. James Hunt talks about how you can participate in that event. As we've talked about previously, Texas A&M AgriLife is presenting a special meeting on November 9th in Pampa on wildfire preparation and response. That meeting, which will feature a variety of experts on wildfires, will be conducted at the Pampa Economic Development Corporation building. But to allow more people across the Texas High Plains to participate, the program will also be presented virtually at AgriLife's county extension offices in Amarillo, Lubbock, Post, Crosbyton, and Spearman. I'm giving you a reminder on this November 9th meeting because if you'd like to attend at one of those locations, RSVPs are requested by November 4th. For more information, contact AgriLife or search online with the words AgriLife Wildfire Meeting Pampa. Now, with this wildfire event next week, it's still early on in the calendar when it comes to the educational programs AgriLife will offer in the months ahead and beyond covering standard topics like controlling pests, grazing management, and marketing. AgriLife's regional program leader, Danny Nusser, tells me there's a need to continue broadening the subjects covered. We got a lot of people that have moved to our area that are not from Texas. And there's positives to that, but it's also created an opportunity for education. I just get a lot of calls from these folks that I got 20 acres here. I built a house on this place. And uh, how many horses can I have here? Or what can I grow on this 20 acres? They're just not familiar with our area in agriculture. So it kind of opens up an opportunity for us to do some education with those folks. So stay tuned for information about upcoming programs on new landowner education. And we'll let you know about other AgriLife meetings as they are scheduled. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Some huge Texas ranches are changing hands. Tom Nicoletti visits with a rural land specialist about the recent ranch sales. For today's program, we go to Tyler Jacobs. He's broker partner with Hall & Hall Land Company in the College Station area. And Tyler, a number of transactions have happened uh, in the recent memory, and that includes the 65,000-acre Mesa Vista Ranch in North Texas. That uh, used to belong to the late T. Boone Pickens. The Four Sixes Ranch, that was purchased by Yellowstone creator and uh, fellow Texan Taylor Sheridan. And the Wagoner Ranch near Vernon, that uh, was considered the largest ranch under one fence. So those big ranches uh, have sold in recent memory. Uh, why have more of these types of properties been appearing to hit the uh, market lately uh, in Texas? We can only 
speak to the transactions that we've been a part of, Tom. But from what we've seen, what seems to be the pattern is just generational change. These ranches often survive two, three, four generations. And then there comes a generation where the estate has been complex or there's not a next generation that is interested in owning the ranch. And sometimes it's just better to liquidate that asset upon that generational change. So who maybe specifically is buying these properties? Most of these mega ranch deals, they're going to be bought by billionaires for the most part. It's really going to represent a fractional part of their network. And they're buying it kind of as a black box investment. And it's also a, a lifestyle thing that they appreciate the ranching component as much as or maybe even more so in, to some degree than the sellers that, that have put it on the market. More with Tyler Jacobs of Hall & Hall Land Company in College Station on our next program. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fertilization of winter pastures should be made on soil test recommendations. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson says soil testing can have a lot of benefits. One of our advantages in the cattle industry is the ability to grow and graze winter forage, cutting the need for stored forage and cutting supplemental feed costs. However, to get the most potential out of winter annuals, it takes fertilization. Nitrogen fertilization of overseeded small grain ryegrass is usually split into three or four applications of 50 to 60 pounds of nitrogen per acre each. The initial nitrogen application should be delayed until after the small grain ryegrass is established and cool temperatures have reduced warm season grass growth. Additional nitrogen can be applied every six weeks. Two applications are often sufficient in central Texas with lower rainfall and heavier textured soils. Three or four applications are required on the sandy soils in East Texas because of low nutrient holding capacity and higher rainfall. Nitrogen fertilization of overseeded ryegrass is usually split in two to three applications. The initial nitrogen application should be delayed until after the ryegrass is established to reduce nitrogen utilization by warm season grasses. Additional nitrogen can be applied in midwinter and early spring. Clover ryegrass mixtures commonly receive only one nitrogen application to enhance ryegrass production after the first frost. Only 50 to 60 pounds of nitrogen should be applied in late December or early January. If additional nitrogen fertilizer is applied, the amount of nitrogen fixed from the atmosphere is decreased and competition from ryegrass and or weeds with the clover is increased. Phosphorus and potash fertilization for cool season forages should be based on soil test recommendations and can be applied at planting or after emergence. If more than 75 to 80 pounds per acre of potassium are needed on sandy soils in East Texas, it is recommended to split into an autumn and late winter application because of leaching. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. With more than 500 cases of chronic wasting disease reported in Texas since 2012, some people are wondering whether or not it's safe to eat deer meat. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have a response from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department coming up on Texas Ag Today. And efforts to keep African swine fever out of the U.S. have been successful so far. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Well, hi, 
Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the Right to Farm Amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Efforts to keep African swine fever out of the United States have been successful so far. Dr. Bob Judd says those efforts are ongoing. In honor of African Swine Fever Action Week, the Animal Plant and Health Inspection Service, or APHIS, is recognizing its efforts to keep African Swine Fever, or ASF, out of this country. Since ASF was detected in the Dominican Republic and Haiti in 2021, APHIS strengthened the partnership with Customs and Border Control, increased inspection of passengers and products arriving from infected countries, advanced risk-based restrictions on import of pork and pork products, and have incident management teams ready to deploy should the disease occur in the United States. They've also established a protection zone for Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands to improve biosecurity in those areas, while also safeguarding the entire U.S. swine herd. APHIS continues to conduct surveillance for both African swine fever and classical swine fever in domestic and feral swine in the United States, and has tested over 6,000 samples from high-risk domestic herds and 26,000 samples from diagnostic labs. Over the last one and one half years, APHIS has surveyed feral swine in high-risk counties within nine states where operational swine removal activities are underway and found no positive cases of ASF. They have started to expand feral swine surveillance along the border with Mexico and the Florida Gulf Coast. APHIS has also started to protect our pigs campaign using a variety of outreach efforts that include instructional videos and a biosecurity guide. If it's detected in the United States, it is estimated it could cost the nation $74 billion over 10 years. I believe the possibility of infectious animal diseases entering the United States across the Mexican border is a major concern for Texas livestock. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Unfortunately, we do have chronic wasting disease here in Texas. So is it still safe to eat deer meat? Jessica Domel has an answer in today's Wildlife Report. Whitetail deer hunting season opens this weekend. And as we told you on our last show, there are several new and existing chronic wasting disease containment and surveillance zones across the state. Alan Kane, Big Game Program Director for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says the zones have been implemented as a precaution to monitor and curb the spread of the fatal neurological deer disease. 
people ask whether it's safe to deer hunt or safe to consume deer. And there's no evidence, there's no records of anybody ever being sick from eating a CBD positive animal. But as a general precaution, whether it's CBD or any disease that a deer can have, we don't recommend hunters eat sick animals. That's just good food safety practices. You don't eat sick animals, whether it's deer or turkey, a dove or beef cattle or whatever it is. And right now there's no evidence that people can get sick from eating a deer that may have CBD or not. If folks are concerned, we certainly encourage them to have their deer tested. They can contact our wildlife biologist and make arrangements to have a deer sampled or bring it by a check station if you're in an area where we have a CBD zone and check station. That would be helpful. A lot of times our staff are at locker plants, our biologists are, and they're collecting CBD samples. And so if you leave your deer at a locker plant and you like it to be sampled, let us know. Let the locker plant know, hey, I want to save my head. I want to have the biologist collect a sample. And then, and they can certainly do that if it gives folks more comfort. Once our staff collects a sample, it generally takes two weeks to get the results back. Sometimes three, depends on how busy the season is. So hunters need to plan for that. TPWD encourages hunters to use common sense precautions while handling and harvesting CWD susceptible species like white-tailed deer, mule deer, and exotics. They say hunters should never eat the brain, eyeballs, spinal cord, spleen, or lymph nodes from CWD susceptible species. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommends wearing latex or rubber gloves when dressing deer or handling the meat. They encourage minimizing how much you handle the organs of the animal, particularly the brain or spinal cord tissues. The CDC also recommends not using household knives or other kitchen utensils for field dressing. A list of existing and new CWD zones in Texas is available on OutdoorAnnual.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. That's right. And there's a huge digital divide in our state. There are still large parts of rural Texas that have little to no access to high-speed internet. I'm State Representative Dwayne Burns. And I'm State Representative Trent Ashby. We're here to ask you to vote for Proposition 1 and Proposition 8. I wrote Prop 1 to protect your right to farm and ranch. It will prevent the abuse of regulatory power, protect the backbone of our rural economy, and ensure safe and affordable food for all Texans. And I wrote Proposition 8, which will create the Broadband Infrastructure Fund to address important upgrades for public safety and provide resources for broadband access in rural hospitals and schools. Let's head to the polls November 7th and vote for Prop 1 and Prop 8. Political advertising paid for by Texas Farm Bureau and Texas Broadband Now PAC. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. 
Cattle futures put in a higher close on Wednesday, both live and feeder cattle finishing in the green with December live cattle up 7, 183.62, February up 55, 185.17, with April live cattle up 87, 187.55. November feeder cattle up 87 cents, 238.57, January up 82 at 238.02, March feeders up 57 cents at 240.32. Cash-fed cattle market still quiet for the week. No bids reported from the packers. Asking prices from the feedlots here in the Southern Plains seen at 188 this week. Boxed beef prices lower on Wednesday. Choice down 251 at 302.67. Select down 76 278.74. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. That fella in the alley, that's Riley Rhodes, Live Oak Livestock, Three Rivers. Riley, how'd your Monday sale go? I went good today, Larry. I uh, ended up with a little more volume than what uh, we had talked about, uh, but the market was good, especially on the lightweight calves. I guess the rain up the country helped that out. Uh, bigger cattle kind of sold steady to maybe a little bit higher. But ended up with 1,730 head today. A uh, few pairs brought from 1050 to 1650. Some bred cows, 925 up to 1450. The packer cows and bulls, they put a little money back on those. Uh, 96 to four on your high yielding cows. 92 to 98 on your breakers, uh, 52 to 80 on your canners. High yielding packer bulls, 114 to 120. Uh, low to medium yielding bulls, 96 to 114. The two to three weight choice steers, 256 to 304. Heifer mates, 250 to 294. Three to four weight choice steers, 252 to $3. Heifer mates, 226 to 280. Four to five weight choice steers, 248 to 292. Heifer mates, 218 to 264. Five to six weight choice steers, 220 to 262. Heifer mates, 212 to 246. The six to seven weight choice steers, 208 to 234. And their heifer mates, 198 to 214. And the seven to eight weight cattle, your choice steers, 204 to 228. And the heifer mates, 196 to 212. So uh, pleased with it today. Like I said, I guess, you know, the rain, what have you, the up the country there kind of got everybody back on their feet and, and uh, wanting to buy some of these light cattle, at least get some more inventory. So uh, got along good with the market today. Good. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Riley. 361-813-6650 is the cell. 361-786-255. Riley, we appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. And neighbor, we appreciate you, too, for listening to Walking the Pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Of course, that was Riley Rhodes, Live Oak Livestock. I'm Larry Marble for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. You're listening to me right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished lower. December hogs dropped $1.57 to close at seventy fifteen. February hogs were down $1.42 on Wednesday, closing at $73.45. Cotton market took a tumble with a couple of factors pressuring prices lower. Poor economic news continues to come from China and consistently higher U.S. interest rates wear on the cotton market. Now, the Federal Reserve did announce on Wednesday that they are not changing interest rates. They're leaving them steady for the coming month. Now, we did see the December contract break below 80 cents. It was down 178 points, closing at 79.44. March cotton down 183 at 81.68. May cotton down 169 points, 82.87 cents. Another lower close for corn as we continue to see harvest pressure push prices down. Harvest running full steam in the Corn Belt right now. Weather forecast showing for five days of clear, dry weather, so that should allow farmers to make good progress harvesting corn. We close with December corn dropping three and three quarters, 475 a bushel. 
March corn down three and a quarter, 489 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat was higher. The December contract up 10 and three quarters at 640 a bushel. In the energy markets, December natural gas was down nine cents at 347. December West Texas crude down eight at 80.94 barrel. The financial markets were higher Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up 199 points, 33,252. The Nasdaq up 198 at 13,049. The S&P up 45 at 4,239. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.